Next week's the thing. X-Men versus Street Fighter! And we're back to our regularly scheduled Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. This week's dedication goes out to X-Men number 49, the October 1968 issue, entitled, Who Dares Defy the Demi-Man? I'd like to point out, though, as I so fondly do, just a, a little bit, a little bit more nitpickery about the last couple of issues, and then, then I'll just drop it. Okay. Okay. At the end of issue, I think it was forty-eight. I'm uh, sorry, forty-seven. The backstory promised that the next origin would be Angel. Okay. Are you following okay. me so far? And instead of getting an Angel backstory, we got a expose of Beast's powers, which was very boring. I mean, it just basically amounted he he can swing around on his feet. He's strong, right? Is that what it was? I thought it was Iceman or something. No, it was Beast, and it was about all the things that Beast can do with his feet and his hands and stuff. Then at the end of uh, issue 49, which we've, or I'm sorry, issue 48, which we've driven into the ground now, there was the Metoxo thing, which we've discussed at length, and we're done with that. But at the very end, after issue 48's... Um, Oh, I, I, um, I'm sorry. I was wrong about that. 47 was Iceman. 48's uh, backstory was the Beast power expose. But either way, 47 promised that Angel was next, but Beast was next. At the end of Beast's story and at the end of the letters, it says, Next, mutants, mutants everywhere, but where's the missing link? That could mean anything, Jeremy. <laughs> it could, but I mean, is that the name of a story? Is that the name of the next origin i'm so confused because since it's not at the end of like beast's little expose like giving us the teaser for what the next story is it's at the end of the letter section it could mean that it's actually the name of the next issue but at the end of what i think happened okay they wrote the metoxo thing okay they said we've already got a lava man so they changed the story to mutants mutants everywhere but where's the missing link okay but then they forgot to get rid of the little Mitaxo thing at the end of uh, f- the story portion of 48. So the editor was asleep at the wheel. Right. But they didn't forget to put it in the issue. They just put it at the end of the mutant mailbox. Gotcha. All right. That's, that was just bothering me. It's like, which, which issue do I look forward to? Mutants, mutants everywhere or Mitaxo? <laughs> and then there was no Mitaxo. And I was like, oh, my God. There's an open thread. It's everywhere, but where's the missing link? It does sort of describe this issue. It describes both stories, and we can talk about that as we go through it. Kind of. Anyways, you'll notice the first thing that's very different about issue 49 here, because now we're going to talk about 49. It's all 49 from here on out. No more backstory, <laughs> no more sidetracks, <laughs> no more Marvel Tales and Kesar. We're done with that. It's all X-Men for a couple issues anyways. This Until one, the next issue. <laughs> then we're going to talk about something completely different. This is a cover that's drawn by some guy named Starenko. I think it's Jim Starenko. It is Jim Starenko, and this cover is awesome. Except, yeah, he's a pretty, pretty good artist. Except for Marvel Girl's head, there seems to be something wrong with it. It's cocked at a very odd oh, angle. Yeah, she, yeah it's cocked. <laughs> and Angel <laughs> seems to be doing like a uh, a Broadway pose. <laughs> yes, he does. Angel in his $12 million uh, wings. Mm-hmm. Coat. 
Yeah. Super Christ. So it's uh, it's basically just the five X-Men springing into action, kind of sort of demoing all their powers, except for... And honestly, Iceman doesn't look too great either. He's going like, yo, what's up? It is kind of a gangster pose, but there's something about this. I don't know if it's the the coloring, the shading, uh, or what it is, but there's definitely a uh, marked departure from previous cover arts. It's the line work. The line is very the the lines are very sharp, and the and the it, yeah, it's it's a combination of the line work and the coloring and the inking, and it's just the the artwork is is more realistic, I guess. Yeah, what we're used to. Okay, uh, they are running atop somebody's head. Yes, a giant head with skulls for eyes. Oh, I didn't even notice the skulls until just now. That's pretty. That's pretty killer. Yeah, watch out, everybody. Now the the face is red and purple, which I guess all the villains are red and purple, aren't they? So it's not really a big surprise there. It's obviously Magneto. <laughs> so I am looking forward to an issue filled with this new Jim Starenko artwork, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, no. You're not looking forward to that, Adam. I I've learned long time ago not to judge a book by its cover well let's open this book especially up. a comic book let's open this book up and find out what's it all a... oh the first thing i see is that it was drawn by don heck which is actually i was noticing that don heck is improving this is actually a pretty good spread of angel f- uh wrenching open the mansion windows it's actually a, a nice drawing I'll, I'll be honest yeah i think he's gotten a little more consistent as uh, as time goes on, did you drop the title of this issue? Who dares? I did. Who okay. dare defies the dare? Who dares defy the demi men? So this is not called Mitoxo, and it's not mutants. Mutants everywhere. Where's the missing link? So I don't know where that other story went, but I I'm hope telling you this this is mutants. <laughs> mutants everywhere. But where's the missing link? Okay, fine. This one was presented by Stanley, written by Arnold Drake, designed by Don Heck, drawn by Werner Roth. What does that design mean? Oh, he probably did the layouts? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Maybe did the, maybe, yeah, did some sketches of what, oh, put this panel here. <laughs> okay. Uh, Werner Roth, yeah, and then uh, John Tartaglioni is our inker, and some new dude named Herb Cooper is our letterer. Yeah, and you can tell the lettering is, wow. Ah, this is beautiful lettering. I don't think I've ever seen lettering quite so beautiful in my life. It's a little cleaner, a little crisper. This is like the Todd McFarlane of lettering. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so yeah, we're we're done, by the way. It's no longer the X-Men present a couple of different characters. That's right. Uh, that's, we're, so we're kind of back on track. Um, we we're do... back to the original titling, the X-Men, just the X-Men. Uh, and uh, yeah, so here here we go. The angel he flies into the mansion uh, because he. Why did he want to come back here? <laughs> I completely forgot. Sidetrack for a second. Yes, the most there are the most unusual fighting team of all time. Didn't they used to be the strangest teens of all time? Yeah, at some point they were the strangest teens of all time. Does this mean maybe they're not teens anymore? <gasps> they're growing up a little bit. Now they're yeah. in their twenties. The most, yeah, they're. I think. I think they're twenty. Okay. They're all twenty except for Iceman. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I don't know if I'd read too much into that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, uh, yes, Angel is returning to the mansion, and he does not say why. I guess he was. He's sad because his dad died. 
Uh, yeah. It's oh, no, a, wait, he doesn't mention his dad dying he, at he, all. Yeah, he mentions nothing about, oh, my God, I had that, all, that awful adventure where my dad died. No, he says that he wants to leaf through dusty family albums uh, to recall happier times. I'm, I'm presuming that he's referring to his life as an X-Men training. But it doesn't actually say why he's back at the mansion, so... He just says, I had to see it once more. Ah, there it is. A little trip down memory lane. So he goes in, he's checking everything out, and he's talking about how oh, everything's kind of mothballed, and it's so sad. It's a ghost of a thousand yesterdays. It's a lot of yesterdays, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. All of a sudden, he heard a ticka, 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 ticka. Some kind of a machine. But not a ghost not a machine. a ghost machine. <laughs> we shut everything down. Doesn't Angel know at this point that the professor kept a lot of things from him? I mean, literally, this could be like, oh, we're going to give Juggernaut a second chance. So when this machine goes off 45 days later, then he gets his second chance. Well, maybe they just think they shot everything down and, and, you know, Angel was was pretty positive that they got everything this time. After all they... They shut down the the Juggernaut, bring him back 85 days from now machine. (laughs) What about the 120 days machine? All right. And then uh, he says the professor's top secret equipment's all under lock and key. Uh, So there's some acknowledgement towards that, but he's trying to track down this sound. And then he says... There's not that noise. I don't understand that. There's... I feel like it's a typo. You know what? It's this new letterer, Herb Cooper, <laughs> doing a terrible transcription draw, uh, a job from Arnold Drake's he writing. He's ticka, ticka, ticka. And then he says, there's not that noise. Maybe he heard it. And it's for real. Yeah. Gotta find it. Maybe he found it. Maybe it was a different uh, timber of ticka, ticka, ticka. I don't yeah. know. I, I'm pretty sure it's a typo. <laughs> Again. I feel like Nancy Drew in the Mad Laboratory at Happy Valley. One of my favorites. Oh, yeah. The editor was definitely asleep at the wheel again. <laughs> so anyhow, he, uh, uh, he, he, but he does say, and now I understand how it started ticking again. So maybe he said like, oh, there's the noise. Oh, and that, the noise isn't there anymore, but I got to find it. Now that makes no sense. It's a typo. Moving on. <laughs> it's Cerebro. The familiar ticka 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 sound of Cerebro. Didn't Cerebro used to make a re noise? <laughs> yes, he did. He used to make a very <laughs> l- loud, angry re sound whenever he dis- or discovered a mutant. This is the quiet Cerebro. So clearly they didn't turn anything off of Cerebro still running. I mean, don't you think that thing would <laughs> use a massive amount of power? Cerebro turns itself off. On when it senses emerging, oh, it turns itself on oh. when it senses emerging mutant energy. So what? The... Ooh-wee. According... According to this, so there's the single highest record of recorded concentration of mutants on the move right now. So they didn't hit the circuit Gotta breaker. Contact on the way Marvel out. Girl. Hmm. All right. So yeah, he... I know she can pick up my thought waves, but can she hook us up all together like a conference phone call? Well. Got to give it a try. Concentrate harder. Harder. More harder stuff. <laughs> um. Yeah, so this, I think, well, this is certainly Marvel Girl's first attempt at a psychic conference call. I guess the professor's done it before, hasn't he? Yeah, and this is a pretty impressive one because the, the, the Iceman Beast team is back in California. Oh, yeah. Man, and, they just uh, keep going back and forth, don't they? 
<laughs> they were in New and, York. Uh, and Cyclops they... and Jean are in New York, and um, and uh, Angels in Westchester. Well, but I mean, are psychic powers proximity bound? I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, either that. Uh, uh, um, it's. I think it's pretty impressive that the angel was actually able to engage the power. Well, it's interesting because Marvel Girl must just always be on. <laughs> just always listening. Just got to be listening just in case. Yeah. She's just slowly being driven mad. Uh, so, yep, they, they get a hold of uh, Cyclops is at his radio gig. Marvel Girl's maybe doing her modeling thing. Iceman and Beast are in California skydiving. That's apparently their cover job is the skydivers. Yeah, the uh, danger twins they're billed as. Oh, so they're like they're like circus performers, but right they they presumably are being watched. I guess I don't know. <laughs> it Who knows? Never shows an audience. <laughs> no, and especially since they're way up in the sky, I don't know who would be able to see them skydiving. But anyways, there. Well, you know, maybe there's like an aeronautics crowd, you know, bunch, watching the planes go by. Bunch of helicopters, sure. So they're they're falling, and uh, Marvel Girl is like, "Come on, this is an emergency. You got to answer." And they're they're concentrating too much on their falling, so much so that is it Beast or Iceman forgets to pull his ripcord. I think it's Beast. Beast forgets to pull his ripcord. Yeah, and Iceman's like, "Oh, you're gonna hit the dirt in thirty seconds." Oh, but that's okay. Iceman is able to make a pair of ice tongs and catch Beast. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to give props to the author and the artist. I mean, they did actually say that would never work. So the ice tongs do shatter. Yet they still save somehow beast's life. Well, apparently there was enough strength in the ice tongs to, to slow his fall, I guess. And Marvel Girl's like, oh, he responded and then I lost him. Why? And then we lose interest in that story and shift elsewhere. <laughs> and we find, um, who are those villains on Doctor Who with the big helmets? The Cybermen? No, the potato head looking guys. Oh, um, yeah, those guys. The, we turn the page to find the Centaurans descending upon something. Except they're taller and they're wearing red uniforms. But they definitely look like Centaurans, don't they? Yeah, I, I can get, I can go with that. Just because they have that helmeted head, that's all. I can't help. I always see the Centaurans without their helmets. Oh, okay, okay. Because they're always, they always seem to have their helmets off. And yeah, Doctor but Who. they have like squat heads with bald, squat bald heads, and these guys have squat helmeted heads. Yeah, okay. I'm calling them a Centauran. Deal with it. Very well. <laughs> Apparently, though, they're not just Centaurans. They're somebody's elite guard. There's a whole legion of them, apparently. Yeah. How many's in the legion? Oh, I oh, oh, <laughs> don't oh, know. I'm kidding. A lot. <laughs> There's no need to answer that question. And we get a green man with purple trim <laughs> who is apparently, uh, he's pledged his allegiance to their great and gifted later, Magneto? Hmm. To which the legion say, all glory to Magneto and his noble pupil, Mesmero. Now it should be noted that this is not the guy on the cover. Are you sure? 
I think it's supposed to be the guy on the cover, but if you look at the guy on the cover and you compare the mask with Mesmero's mask, they're nothing alike. That the guy on the cover has like an elephant nose. Yeah. Oh, and he's also red and 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 purple or red and well, pink. I can accept that. I mean, it's the cover treatments colors are usually off. Adam, what happened to you? Stop being so forgiving. It's clearly a blatant <laughs> mistake. Yeah, somebody has to pay. <clears throat> um, I thought it was the same guy. Maybe we'll find another villain in this issue who's going to be that man. Or maybe it's one of the uh, Centaurans. Well, I'm assuming it's supposed to be Mesmero. All right. But it just, the helmet's just not the same. So what you're saying is that Jim Starenko and Don Heck were not working together on the characters. That is what I would say. Ah, okay. So, um, yeah, we are meeting Mesmero, who will play a larger part in the Marvel Universe, maybe. Uh, and I guess I never knew that he was Magneto's pupil. No, so, I did not know that either. But I also thought that Magneto was dead. Well, Magneto is dead. Yeah. So how could They're this... just, uh, you know, apparently Magneto did some stuff on the side when... He wasn't in the comic. Oh, so Mesmero just like finally figured out how to escape from the Magneto closet. Yeah. <laughs> Magneto, can I get out? Can I get out? I'm hungry. Oh, nuts to this. I'm going to start. Or maybe my own this is one of those things where he just kind of is worshiping Magneto, but has never met Magneto. Mm. We'll get that issue where Magneto's like, who are you? Right. <clears throat> but he's dead. So that won't happen. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> So we turn the page, and apparently uh, Mesmero's got himself access to some of the genius machinery of Magneto's, including the Psyche Generator. Right, which uh, he uses to alert all mutants wherever they be that their their day of greatness is at hand, which I guess uh, turns all latent mutants to start walking in the direction of this fortress, I guess. Yeah. He sends a signal that says, awake, awake, awake to awaken the sleeper cell mutant in everybody. Well, all of these people, I guess they really haven't discussed much. The latent mutant powers as they will in the future, maybe spoilers, possibly because yeah, this is like, this is the first appearance of the latent mutants. Yeah. Well, not only that, they're all old and, and, and we, we generally, well, yeah, we learned that uh, mutants' powers typically come on with the onset of puberty or another traumatic life experience. So right. to see this guy in the front who's clearly like 45 years old being a latent mutant is kind of hard to believe. But I guess this is the first time, so it, this has to be right. Everything after it's wrong, right? Check out uh, Bernard in the back. Bernard's a mutant. Yeah, you know it's him too because he's got a flower. Mm-hmm. His mutant power? The ability to recall bad poetry. <laughs> so that, that explains everything. So that's apparently his plan is to awaken the latent mutant in everybody and have them descend upon his fortress. And then from there, we I don't really know what we're going to, to see. He tells his elite guard to patrol the streets um, looking for the X-Men. Or they too are mutants and they may sense the awakening of our army. Yep, now the dawn of greatness is at hand. How I wish that my great master Magneto were here to share it with me. Seems to me like Magneto was the wrong guy running the show. 
You think? No, I don't know. This guy, I mean, he's already like awoken latent mutant powers and has got them storming off to his fortress. It's way more than Magneto ever accomplished. That's true. Magneto was always kind of one-dimensional. <laughs> I've got this really ridiculous scheme I want to do. I've been foiled again. Must crush the X-Men. Must crush humankind. So, Must make a sandwich. <laughs> so then the next part of this book, it's kind of neat because it's all done sort of silent. There's a little bit of narration, but I don't really understand what's going on. It's, okay. This girl who is a latent mutant is crossing the street. Got it. And she's crossing the street in front of a oncoming traffic. Oh, okay. Bobby happens to be nearby. And he uses the most ridiculously complicated method of getting her off of the street out of the way of the car. He ices up the road behind him so that it swirls around in front of her. She slips and falls directly in front of the braking car. And he manages to catch her as she falls backwards towards the sidewalk. Yeah. Um, He should have just reached out and grabbed her. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, I mean, it would have been a lot faster. It's a very... It would have been, it, the, the, the amount of danger would have been just as equal. It's a, ve- it's, it's a very comp- convoluted segment here. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I, I still kind of like it, just the fact that it's all done in silence. But you're right. The whole plan is ridiculous. And uh, so I guess the uh, awake, awake command only works on latent mutants because Bobby is obviously not a latent mutant and it it clearly hasn't affected him. Right. He's a good old regular mutant. Yes. He's an X-Man. That's right. And uh, apparently made great time in getting to New York from California. No, they're in California. Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but she wakes Not up. Not only that, but Mesmero is also in California. Okay. How do you know that? Uh, meanwhile, not far from the aeronautical extravaganza, atop a gloomy San Francisco hill, a strange mansion. Oh, Adam. You read That's all... That's right. I read. <laughs> you read all of the words. <laughs> I only read some of the words. Okay, you're right. And then she says, oh, you say this is San Francisco? But that's 1,200 miles from my home. What brought me here? So she's been walking for 1,200 miles? Yeah, apparently it's been a while. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, I think there's like some sort of... That is weird. I mean, there's like a backstory that we don't know maybe. Or maybe she's been... I, I can't imagine. I don't know. All right, maybe there's. Maybe we'll find out more. But Maybe her mind was erased. Maybe all the latent memories, the, the latent mutants' memories get erased from the past like 15 hours or something. Everybody thinks they're 1,200 miles away from home. Well, you know, they just all uh, forget the last 24 hours. Okay. Maybe she she flew in the last 24 hours here. and <laughs> That's, That could be. All right, so uh, she, Bobby... At any rate, she don't remember how she got here. <laughs> okay. So uh, everybody's like, where did this ice come from? It's San Francisco. That's impossible. And... Oh, she reveals her name is Dane, Lorna mm. Dane. Yep, and Bobby's like, yeah, oh. he wastes no time, says, you better come to my place. Yeah. Actually, yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm in no condition to refuse, even if I wanted to. You know what that's code for. 
Oof, yeah. <laughs> She's got to get some. <laughs> Meanwhile. That just sounds seriously inappropriate. Marvel, <laughs> what are you thinking? Uh, so, meanwhile, Angel and Marvel Girl are soaring high above. Are they also in California? No, they're in New York. But then they get in a Avengers supersonic uh, jet, and then they fly to California. Here's my question. Angel says, the Avengers lent me this little supersonic job for long-distance travel. Why? <laughs> and Why and when? The Avengers apparently really like Angel. Yeah, okay, I guess. They should hit the Avengers up more often. I mean, they're always broke, don't have any meth. I mean, come on, that whole Factor 3 thing could have been solved so much quicker if they would have just talked to the Avengers. Can you guys loan us a supersonic jet? Sure. Sure, no problem. Here's the keys, just gas her up on your way back. Yeah, this is a bit of a contrivance. All right, what so can you do? They jump into the Avengers supersonic job, whatever it is, it's like a... It's not a Quinjet. It's kind of like a fantastic car, but more sleek, I guess. Avenger car. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Off they go. And uh, Beast is very upset. Now we're back in California. Yeah. He's he's upset that Bobby brought a girl back to their apartment. We made a promise. <laughs> <laughs> we pinky swore no girls in the apartment. Come on, Hank. Settle, fun, Hank. Honest. <laughs> settle down, Hank. It's cool. She's She won't be here for long. No women. You know what happens. You know how you start thinking when the girls are around. I thought we <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> Come on, Hank. It'll be okay. But just then... Then the X-Men show up. The rest of the X-Men. Yay. And it turns out that Hank's sort of worried about the uh, the girl... Lorna Dane discovering the X-Men. Sure. For what? For, I don't know why. <laughs> well, because the X-Men show up at Bobby and Hank's uh, apartment dressed up as X-Men. Well, they can just change their costume. She doesn't know Bobby from Hank. Yeah, but, you know, come on. They go down to the lobby of the apartment. They're like, yeah, we're looking for uh, Bobby Drake and uh, Hank McCoy. Could you tell us what room they're at? Oh, 212? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll fly ourselves up there. No problem. Don't worry about us. <laughs> hey, they look like X-Men, except they're missing two. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. They could have been a little bit more secretive as they uh, entered the apartment. But anyways, uh, Lorna's... They came from the roof. They probably got... There's probably a rooftop entrance. I'm fine. You say so. Kitty teleported them through the walls. <laughs> she doesn't teleport. Or not teleport. You know what I mean. She phases. All right, Nightcrawler teleported them through the Who walls. Who are these people you're speaking of? <laughs> I've not I read of know. them. All right, <clears throat> so we get a little recap about Cerebro detecting mutants, and uh, there we are here now in California, and we need to find out what's going on. Beast is making a miniaturized Cerebro, a portable mutant detector, and so the rest of the X-Men uh, head out to do a manual search while Beast finishes up on his, his Cerebro job. How does he have the tools, wherewithal, and materials to build a mini Cerebro? Um, the government's providing him with the stuff. Okay. One of, Mr. What's-His-Face. One of the Duncans showed up. and like, yeah, you, the Duncans. <laughs> you, you might need this box of parts here. Make a Cerebro, boy. Okay. So they jump in, well, the four of the X-Men jump into the Avenger car. And that makes sense, because the Avenger car looks like it can only hold four people. 
I'm sure Beast could hang on the end of it or something. <laughs> or Angel could just fly. What the heck yeah, is wrong with him? Marvel Girl could fly. He's being lazy at this point. They they discover so, the Centaurans, the walking which which uh, Cyclops immediately says we've discovered a mutant squad. Yeah, it's kind of you know assumptive. Yeah, maybe they're assumption. just maybe they're just guys that like to wear crazy uniforms and walk around the park. Maybe it's like a costume party thing, or maybe they're larping. <laughs> yeah, we're just out here larping, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. But no, the X-Men immediately attack them. Take the wheel, Scott. I'm going nightmare hunting. I find it hard to believe that the Avenger car has a wheel, but I'll let it slide. It seems like it would have a lot of buttons and levers, but no wheel. It doesn't look like it has a wheel, but whatever. Maybe it's just, you know, he's just saying take the wheel. A figure of speech. So they, the they say death to the X-Men. Long live the guy Magneto or something like that. Magneto was wise to anticipate their coming. What? I think maybe he means Mesmero. Yeah, but Mesmero's like, maybe Mesmero's invoking Magneto's name just to get these people behind him. So he's like, Magneto says that the X-Men will attack. And if they attack, they're going to come take your children. So you need to kill them. You know, they're like, oh, the X-Men, Magneto was right. Brainwashing, essentially. Then we get a uh, splash screen of... uh, one of the corniest looking battles I've ever seen. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> no, and I want to point. I want to draw your attention to this little gun in the bottom right hand corner. And if well, you, I'd, I'd, before you draw my attention to that, I'd like to draw your attention to the fact that Iceman gets shot with the exact same style gun in the back of, like, in his back shoulder. I'm trying to find that. Uh, oh yeah, he does. He does. He totally gets shot. But now, if you uh, put your finger over the trigger. And you put your finger over that little claw that's coming out of the tip of it. What does it look like? Oh, gross. <laughs> Come on. It's <laughs> the most phallic looking gun I've ever seen. But it's got a little tube coming out of the top. A hook. So it's like a hooked phallus. <laughs> the best kind. Yeah, it's hooked for her. Never mind. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so Don Heck, crazy dude there. Crazy, crazy S&M guy. And also, Angel's just got another gigantic fist, as we saw in a previous issue with Quicksilver and his giant yeah, fist. It's a secondary mutation. <laughs> Everybody's just growing giant hands. Hey, everybody, I'm like Mr. Fantastic over here. <laughs> growing big hands. Yeah, and Angel, he's really taken. He's got one guy in his left arm, and he's punching some guy in the, with his right arm. Cyclops is being tackled by two guys and shoots a third guy. Marvel Girl breaks a tree. <laughs> no, she's got she's got a guy. Oh, no, wait, that's not Marvel Girl. Cyclops breaks yeah, the tree. Yeah, it was th- a ricochet. It's a ricochet blast. Uh, Marvel Girl's like levitating one of the guys up in the air. Oh, no, she's doing her part. My yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like the cornerstone of the team at this point. Well, she is. It's true. She is. She is the most powerful member. So easily. We, we flip pages. Uh, and he, uh, the guy that shot Iceman, I guess, Cyclops shoots him in the back or the front or something. No, no. What happens is that the guy is about to shoot Angel. The guy in the corner is about to shoot Angel. Mm. And Cyclops stops him and says, he was much too close to killing Angel for my comfort, er, for any comfort. He was much too close to killing Angel for any comfort. And Iceman's on the ground having just been shot. 
because like I'm so blue. Clearly, these guns do not kill people. Mm-mm. They're not even set for stun. They're like a minor nuisance, if anything. So Cyclops is like trumping up the power of these guns in his mind. <clears throat> he's just I totally. I, I totally saved Angel's life. He's just showing off for Marvel Girl. <laughs> I saved them from that very dangerous gun, Marvel Girl. You saw it. Oh, and then two panels later, Angel gets shot. <laughs> yeah, where was Cyclops then? Too busy bragging to Marvel Girl. No, he's in the corner shooting the guy. <laughs> oh, he's just not paying attention. Oh, yeah, you're right. He shoots the guy that shoots Angel. Yeah. Yeah. This is not very good leadership at this point. <laughs> so basically <clears throat> the guns aren't doing anything. Yeah. And, They're pretty useless guns. And... Uh, uh, but eventually the X-Men do take out all of the... Uh, these guys, whoever they are. The Legion. And then everybody's worried that Angel's dead. Yeah. He's hit, and now he's just lying there motionless. Is he? Is he? As they race towards their fallen comrade, each step seems a thousand years. 20,000 years later. <laughs> he's coming around. He'll be all right, Gene. <laughs> so apparently... He's got a couple of bruises that he'll feel for a long while. Yeah, that's, those are some powerful guns there. <laughs> they cause bruises. I got shot from five feet away, and I got this awful bruise. Marvel Girl, will you kiss it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. So they go back. They decide to go back. Hang, uh, Ice, Iceman says, Hank should have that mini Cerebro working by now. And I guess Beast finished it in record time because he also had time to change into his Beast outfit. Right. <laughs> And because he, he was worried about Lorna Dane uh, discovering that he was an X-Men. So he decided to change out of his plain clothes uh, and into his X-Men uniform. So that there and would yet be... he's forgotten all about her. Yeah. Well, there's a noise there's a, he's, he's like, a noise from the next room. Who in the name of sanity can it be? Hi there. Oh, yeah. It's that girl that totally is here. So she's all. Of course. She's all. Sh- yeah. Just took a shower and I completely missed that. Well, well, girl showering in the next room doesn't register with Beast. Beast blocked out the noise. Beast is like, you gross. I got work to do. And he just mentally blocked it out. And she comes out. She's all naked with a robe on. But she's naked mm-hmm. under that robe. She's got green hair. She does. And Beast comments on that green hair. Who are you? And that green hair. And she reveals that's her life, her long secret. She was born this way. Just That is her lifelong secret. Just like Lady Gaga, she was born this way. <laughs> <laughs> but she dyes it to avoid attracting the curious. But the dye washes out, you know. So apparently she hasn't She's discovered... obviously another latent mutant. Yeah, she clearly hasn't discovered permanent dye that washes out so easily. You, yeah. you don't just go from brown hair to green hair with one shower. I'm I'm sorry. It's the 60s. <laughs> she yeah. was using mud. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> so Beast promises to keep her secret to the grave. Hmm. And then the other X-Men bust in, totally spoiling the secret. Yep. Oh, who's this green-haired lady? Nobody says. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody's uh, uh, curious about that at all. They're like, hey. We found some other mutants. Don't worry about it. No big deal. <laughs> Magneto, what is this all about? And so Beast is like, ah, well, whatever. We're this far. Magneto was the champion of evil, devoted to our demise. I don't know if I'd state it that way. Would you? A champion? Well, that's Beast. Okay. 
<laughs> just overselling. It's like, stupid girl, champion of evil. <laughs> Come on, Bobby. We got to go. Okay, Hank. But, but he is dead now. We saw him disappear into a water gra- watery grave. Or did we? Or did we? Hmm? And then Beast says, oh, I don't know who's a ghost of Magneto who's leading them, but Cerebro can take us to that mutant multitude. Well, you know, here's the problem, Adam. They took out those name tags. <laughs> if they would just put those <laughs> name tags back into Cerebro, they could know whether or not Magneto was alive or dead and what mutants were actually uh, at play here. Yeah, that's true. They should at least make a Magneto name tag. <laughs> that way they would know. <laughs> but uh, no foresight. So, uh... So, no sooner did they arrive back at the place that they're leaving again, and uh, Lorna Dane wants to know why they're just leaving her there. To which I say, don't you have a home, lady? She's 1,200 miles away from home, Adam. Yeah, yeah, I guess she's 1,200 miles away. They could put her in the... They could probably take her home in the Avenger car, don't you think? Well, they could... Yeah, I don't know. That's fine. Here's what I would like to note about the Avenger car. It's, It's an open canopy right so they flew from no, it closes uh, there's like a little dome that goes over it where i don't see any domes uh it was on page uh something or other there's a dome all right <laughs> fine i was gonna say they traveled three thousand miles in a, basically a convertible flying it's like a it's like a silver dome that yeah it, it goes up um, like a convertible i'm gonna trust you but i don't believe you Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Moving on. So they leave Bobby behind to stay as protector for Lorna Dane. Mm-hmm. Again, the Avenger car only fits four people. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody has to stay behind. <laughs> Somebody always has to stay behind. So they yeah, they find their way to this mysterious fog ridden mansion. You think that's why the Avengers gave it away? <laughs> <laughs> Our team is too big for this car. Give it to the X Men. Angel will take it. Yeah, we heard that their professor only gives them like a 50-cent stipend. They'll take anything. <clears throat> so they, uh, no sooner has the X-Men left and found the mansion, but the Legion of Doom, or whoever these guys, barge into Beast and Iceman's apartment. Taking Lorna Dane and Iceman by surprise. Mm-hmm. And somebody goes, ee I think it's Iceman. I guess. Or, I don't know who it is. Or maybe it's Lorna Dane, but her mouth is It doesn't is make Lorna. sense whoever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody should be saying yeah. So they're, uh, yeah, they're talking, the guys, uh, Ms. Miro's there kind of in the shadows. He he hasn't quite passed the threshold of the door. Um, do not attempt to take him alive. He is too dangerous so long as we do not possess the M11. Um, But Iceman's like, that's not Magneto's voice. I don't know why he would think it is Magneto's voice, but anyways, he states that. I totally expected that to be Magneto's voice. But it's not. At the door. This is so weird. Who is that? Mastermind? Is that you? No? All right. So he conjures up a frozen ice ball and takes out one of the Legion of Evil. And deep freezes another one. And then Mesmero uses his amazing powers, which I don't know what are Mesmero's powers. But now see the full and awesome power of Mesmero. It doesn't really say, does it? Iceman says such a terrible pressure inside my skull. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess he's mesmerized like great streams of lava rolling over my rolling down and over my entire brain. Mm -hmm. So he's tripping. 
No, yeah, he's he's my well, mind's still clear, but I can't command my body. They're in San Francisco. I can think clearly, but that's all. Every muscle totally paralyzed. That guy Mesmero is nearly as powerful as Magneto, so he freezes people's bodies. Uh, no, he does not. Mesmero oh. has the power of hypnosis. Oh, okay. So he's kind of like the warlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but with a more uh, memorable costume. Oh yes, he's a much more memorable character than Warlock, uh, and he's got a greater range and greater command of the power and stuff. Like he can keep. I don't know. He can keep people under his suggestion for quite a long time. <clears throat> but anyways, uh, Mesmero keeps talking about this M11 weapon, and I don't know what that is. Iceman says it too. What's that M11 thing? He mentioned it before. Um, and then Lauren is like, but what's that got to do with me? Or the X-Men? Iceman, do something. He'll kill us both. And then I guess it is her that says, yeah, because she says it again. <laughs> <laughs> she does. But her facial expression does not represent somebody that would go, yeah. <laughs> There's no facial expression for someone that would go, yeah. <laughs> no one goes, yeah. Well, unless they're like some crazed karate expert, you know, going in for a surprise. <laughs> right, right. But Maybe anyway. it's a Bruce Lee. Yeah. As... Maybe she's getting ready to do a karate kick. I could, I could see that with that pose. As for the girl, stay away from me. Please don't touch me. Your fear is uncalled for, woman. She says, don't touch me. I couldn't stand it. But I couldn't refuse you either. (laughs) She just can't refuse any man. Oh, I'm in no position to refuse you. Your fear is uncalled for, woman, for you misjudge our intent. You are not our enemy, nor are we yours. Mesmero bows down. We do not, we come not to harm you, but to worship you. Oh, my. And, and they, they are all bowing at her feet. And she says, Iceman, do something. Help me. And Iceman says, or thinks to himself, I wouldn't know what to do, even if I could move. I don't. Why doesn't he just say this out loud? He can't move a muscle. I wouldn't know what to do, even if I could move a muscle. Maybe he can't move his mouth or something. Yeah. Looks like I'm through. Yeah. He can't breathe either, because he can't. <laughs> He's completely motionless. Gonna die soon. So there you go. Uh, and then the next issue promises to be the truth about Lorna Dane. See, I think she's the missing link. Mutants, mutants everywhere. Could be. She's the missing link. So the mutants, mutants everywhere, that makes sense because the machine or whatever that he used was used to uh, conjure up latent mutants everywhere. So that makes sense. But missing link. Hmm. I don't know what she would be. I also be th- think she's M11. Okay. She, That's my guess. She is the M11 weapon? I, I, I'm just just guessing. Okay. <laughs> I, I could be. All right. <clears throat> well. That, That's that. Yeah, that brings us to uh, our origins of the Uncanny X-Men story titled A Beast is Born. Yes. Uh Keen-eared listeners will recall that way back in, like, issue, I don't know, 15, 16, 17, or something like that, we already had the origin of Beast. This this is the pre-origin of Beast. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, ret- first retcon of Beast's origin. Trust me, there'll in be fact, many Beast more. Beast is barely in this story. I, I, but, I mean, this is going to be another two or three or four-parter, I think. Right. Well, so far, Beast is barely in this story. 
So it's called The Beast is Born, as you said. Stan Lee is the producer. Arnold Drake's writing. Werner Roth is artisting. John Verporten is inking. And I Watanabe, Watanabe, Watanabe is lettering. I Watanabe. Watanabe. What do you th- Watanabe. What do you think the I stands for? I want to think uh, that it stands for it Igor. Was... I don't remember what we've encountered it before. Igor Watanabe. I want to say Irving, but I'm thinking of Irving Forbush. Yeah. So we get a panel here, but this first big splash is just a lie. It's just a wasted page. <laughs> it is. I mean, because this is actually like the middle of the story. But anyways, uh, and we get to see this exact thing. It is thing. Irving. Is it Irving? Yeah. Irving Watanabe. Okay. Irving. It's a, basically, we'll see this panel again, but it's basically a man in a radioactive suit or radioactive, anti-radioactive suit. Lowering some radioactive suit in a radioactive room with three radioactive beams and a radioactive outline. It's a lot of radioactivity. Yeah. It's Uh, in the air for you and me. (laughs) Discovered by Madame Curie. Madame Curie. (laughs) But that's not where our story starts, Adam. As the next page shows, it starts at a wedding. Oh, the wedding of Norton McCoy and Edna Andrews. Who, yeah, who is now Edna McCoy, Mr. and Mrs. McCoy, if you will. This was a bunch of jokesters. Yeah, this was way back when, uh, before you lived with your spouse, before you got married, uh, because after they get married, they drive to their new home, which Edna is surprised is so small and desolate. <laughs> as if she's... Well, it's, it's one of those built homes or, you know, one of those uh, town uh, communities that are built. yeah. But, Specifically to work at the atomic energy plant. I get that, and I'm cool with that. But, I mean, it, it's, it really goes to say that, like, we got married, and then I took my wife to my new house, which she had never seen before. Oh, right. and she also didn't know that I worked at the nuclear plant. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that's so dangerous looking. Is it nuclear or nuclear? Well, it's nuclear is how you're supposed to pronounce it. Did, okay. I, did I say nuclear? Yes, you did. Oh. <laughs> Uh, blame the Simpsons. Yes, well, <laughs> blame the president. I, I get confused now as well. Nuclear. It's pronounced <laughs> nuclear. Anyways, uh, so they he Norton's all like, "Don't worry about it, baby. There's so many safety devices, and this is our home." I, well, just... I think this is his first day on the job, and I I think uh, this is his first day at the house too. Oh, okay, the story's moving really quick then. <laughs> That's. I don't know. That's what I gathered, but I could be wrong. I gathered that they immediately left the wedding and uh, drove to their new house, which she had never seen before. Yeah, she's definitely never seen it before. I mean, maybe he set all this stuff up in the past. I don't know. We're spending too much time speculating on a piece (laughs) of information that doesn't matter. Yes. So anyways. Uh, Cut uh, to page five. That was a good story. (laughs) Not really. Uh, (laughs) Uh, so, anyways, uh, we we cut again uh, to the office where we find out that the breeder reactor is in trouble, and this here oh, no. is where Beast is born. He is born from the breeder reactor. <laughs> Beast was a manufactured nuclear baby. Nuclear. I said it again. <laughs> it spits him out. <laughs> Just nuclear babies. Um, no, it's not. It's uh, That was actually Norton who came in to visit the plant manager to say, oh, we've got a problem over there in Section 7B. 
And um, section section B, where'd you get the seven from? Oh, sec. Well, sector seven B is where Homer Simpson works. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> uh-huh. There we go. Let's just keep them going. Anyways, how many Simpsons references can you fit into this? No, we only got two. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, Mr. Burns, who is <laughs> leaning over <laughs> Smithers' shoulder, who is at the knobs. We need an electrical how engineer. How long has this been going on, Smithers? <laughs> Smithers, I want that man killed. Uh, and so too long, sir. <laughs> so Norton, who's not a man who's afraid of any sort of uh, trouble or whatever, who's always ready to step up to meet the needs of the job, runs off to I don't know, lower the carbon rods or something. Yeah, the room uh, they can't shut it off from outside of the room, or I guess they can't do it quickly. Mm-hmm. So. He runs into the, um, I don't know how this, how this whole radioactive, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know how this whole thing works, but he puts on a radioactive suit and he has to lower some, um, carbon rods, rods well, that, into my limited knowledge car. of, um, nu- nuclear, uh, nuclear, uh, plants, <laughs> Which I'll grant is all learned from The Simpsons, but basically the carbon rods dissipate the heat, and you have to dissipate the heat, otherwise the thing overloads, and that's when you have your meltdown. That's how I so understand. Why do you have to put the rod back in the hole? We have to put because the, the rods are like that's the safety mechanism. So you have to lower the rods into the area that's hot, so you can dissipate the heat. Oh, okay. And that's what lowers the radiation, I think. Listeners, if well, we have, have any, to do that manually from an observation deck. Yeah, if we have any nuclear physicists that could help us out with that, uh, would be greatly appreciated. But yes, you're right. He manually lowers them uh, with basically a steering wheel. Yes, he has to do it very slowly with his. Uh, yeah, the, the steering wheel apparently controls a pulley system. Or maybe it's that chains. maybe it's that they have to lower the carbon rods into water. But one of the two, they have to dis, they, the rods are used in dissipating heat. I know that much. Well, it's, we'll just assume that somebody did some research as they wrote this comic book, and and everything's accurate. Okay, because <laughs> it has been up until now. Somebody shouts, "McCoy, get out of there! That suit isn't totally radiation proof. If it were, you'd never be able to move in it." <laughs> He'll be burnt to a crisp. He doesn't care. He he's, he just needs to get this job done because, look, his family is in town, and if this thing melts down, it's going to be another three-mile island. Don't you understand, Adam? Yeah, he's like, you know, the sooner I get this done, the sooner I can go home and drink some coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thirsty. I'm tired. Got to get some caffeine in me. Anyways, it turns out that he is able to successfully lower the rods, and uh, everything's fine. The plant doesn't melt down, but he's a little worse for the wear. Yep, he's uh, littered with radiation. They take him to the hospital, and he's all like, don't worry, Edna. Doc says I'll be fine. Not of that plant, you won't, Norton. You'll either find yourself a new job or a new wife. Ooh, she lays down the law. And it works. He's like, all right, fine. You win. Okay. I didn't like that job anyway. Yeah. So uh, I guess he did find a new job and a new town, and uh, he also apparently got a little on the side. Because she's, yeah. she's pregnant. Thanks for moving out of town. <laughs> Let's have a baby. <laughs> and uh, so that's the news that the doctor delivered. But apparently Norton gave the doctor a full run, rundown of his medical history because he's like, I'm not so <laughs> sure. You see, 
There's just one problem. Your exposure to radioactivity could have been a could have a strange genetic consequence. That, that is, is that child might be gay. I mean, <laughs> that child might not be normal. Ah, the origin of gay is from radioactivity? <laughs> yeah. I better get the I better get the Republicans on the line. They're going to eat that up. <laughs> I kid to any of our politically aware listeners. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Edna's like, or I mean, Norton's like, Dad, don't worry about it. He'll probably be better than normal kids. Yeah, there's a chance that he might be better than normal. Because if we've learned anything, it's that rolling around in radiation will make you super strong. <laughs> right. He might be super gay. <laughs> uh, and then apparently we fast forward yet again nine months later, and uh, the baby is born. The nurse is like, this baby is quite ordinary except for his feet and his hands. And his hands. Yep. They're far They've developed. developed far beyond those of a newborn child. I wonder what else time will tell us about him. Hmm. So Uncle Bob is over, and Uncle Bob is coochie-coochie-cooing uh, little Hank McCoy. And uh, I don't think he likes that sort of thing, Uncle Bob. Nonsense. All kids like coochie-coochie-coo. And then Hank whops him in the face. It should also be noted that Hank is drinking from his bottle from his feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at that little devil. Fantastic the way he uses those big feet. Fantastic. That kid will be the next heavyweight champion on leading field goal kicker. Both. Could we? Could, Could we? be. They both say at the same time. And then our little teaser says, but he's destined to be a lot more than that. And you'll want to be on hand when Hank begins to find out just what he is. Next-ish, Pilgrim. So it sounds like next-ish we get a recap of what we already know, but in detail. Ooh. That's what I'm guessing. The next issue says, the senses shattering secret of Lorna Dane. Oh, right. I mean, for this story. Well, I know, but <laughs> I just like the fact that it's senses shattering. Oh. <laughs> I thought Cyclops was the only senses-shattering person around. All sorts. Well, Lorna Dane herself isn't senses-shattering, just her secret. No, okay, okay. Well, there you have it. X-Men 49. Yeah, back on track and taking names. Next issue, we promise we're going to do issue 50, and we're going to do something special for issue 50. Oh, my, the special thing that we have in mind. Yeah, and I'm not going to even give you a hint as to what that special thing is, but it's going to be so special. You'll want to hold on to your hats. It's going to be so <laughs> special. You'll want to get your friends together, and you're going to want to tell everybody you know about the Danger Room podcast so they can be in on the special thing when it happened. They can say, remember that time they did that thing? We were there. And it was special, man. And it was special. We were a part of it. And it won't be like... Oh, I didn't join him until after that special thing. You know, I like him and all, but I wish I was into him beforehand. Man, remember back when Danger Room was special? <laughs> now they just sold out. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, dear God, what it would be like to sell out. I would sell out in a second. <laughs> Adam, I'd sell you out for a candy bar, I swear to God. <laughs> we got an email from uh, Matthew Booth. Started listening from the beginning, if I haven't been enjoying the show. Just finished issue 17, so you're probably not going to hear this for a while. <laughs> but he's going to be so surprised when he actually hears it. Oh, I forgot I wrote them a letter. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's me. 
I was. And you were begging for email. Well, that hasn't changed. And he's going to be like, oh, I was there for that special thing, but I didn't know it because I was like 20 issues behind. <laughs> but I was there. I was there. Uh, so I figured I would drop you a line. Obviously, you haven't gotten discouraged and quit podcasting since you're at 51 now. Thanks for the show. Keep up the good work. Nice. Sent from my iPad. Ooh, he's got an iPad. That's right. It's one of the good ones. But I've yes. I'm sorry to our and I'm sorry <laughs> to our Android listeners. We're equal opportunity. So yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening, Matthew. Um, I know it's it's been a while since you wrote that letter, but maybe maybe you're simultaneously listening to this episode, the current episode, as well as the past episode. Greetings from the past or the future, as it may be. We also had a message from Anna Bernal. She's on our Facebook page, and apparently she's Puck Bunny, who left us uh, some feedback on iTunes, and we were so like, oh, it's it's a girl, but it can't be a girl. That doesn't make any sense. She's a girl, everybody. We have a girl listener. And she says, the podcasts are awesome. Can't get enough of the X-Men and the commentaries. By the way, I'm a girl. That's awesome. So there you go. We we truly are uh, uh, multi-something or other. Yeah, we, I'm surprised we haven't scared anybody away yet. I'm sure we with have. all of our sexist commentary. <laughs> it's not us. We're just rereading the sexist stuff. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, Making it slightly more sexist. I, I, for one, am against all of that and believe that Marvel Girl should be given a much larger role in the X-Men. Uh, she's the only good one. That's that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, clearly. Oh, we also got a mention on the Facebook from Jason Venable about his... Um, Wolverine podcast. A podcast called Snicked. So there you go. Uh, Which is kind of funny because we almost named this podcast Snicked. Yeah. But then Jeremy was like, we can't name it Snicked. Yeah. Wolverine's not around. Didn't make any sense. I was like, when we get around to the Wolverine podcast, we'll do it Snicked. But then this guy beat us to it. So damn you listeners. Damn you, Jason Venable. So there you go. Uh, Check out the Snicked podcast. Uh, And Jason, if you're listening, uh, I would like to hear you pimping us out on your podcast as well. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Okay. WTF, man. Okay. Well, visit us at www.facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Go to uh, redcatproductions.com forward slash danger room. You can Twitter us at go danger room go podcast. <laughs> at danger room go. At danger room go. That's, that's the one. And you can email us at uh what is it? Uh, Danger room at redcapproductions.com. Uh, and also, uh, we're trying desperately to um, figure out how to get our rankings up in iTunes. So if you go into... Huh? Well, I am. Well, I'm not really trying, but I would like to see it happen. If you go to iTunes right now and you, you type in X-Men and you scroll down to the podcast section, we're the third link, but they only show the first two in their, their little results. So f- I don't know if we could get more activity, some more... You know, positive feedbacks or searches. I'm not sure what it is. So all of our listeners. I I think that it has to do with the number of um, people that rate us in a given week. There you go. Get out there and rate us or tell your friends to rate us. Tell your friends that like podcasts but don't like our podcast just to go rate us. Yeah. No, no. You know what? I'm wrong. No, it's it's the number of people that download us on a given week. Oh well, download us twice, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> set up two computers. Do one at work. Do one at home. Set up your it's iPhone to do it's it. Either downloading or ranking us or what? I don't know. Just I, just download the heck out of it. No, they probably have some unique user feature in there where they're like, okay, look, you got one person downloading it a hundred times. That doesn't count. 
Maybe not. We're not going to stop doing it anyway, so All don't right. get scared. All right, folks. Uh, thank you, and we will see you for the magnificent special. <laughs> so special. All right, thanks for joining us, and uh, until next time, the danger room is closed. You're up, you're up, you're up. You're up, boy. You're up, boy.